Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. It's that time of year when we're finding, you know, weird and wonderful creatures in our parks and our gardens and in our homes. We thought it might be a good time to get our favourite expert in all things critters, Kalianis, uh, in David Chatos. He is a TCD zoologist host of the Critter Shed podcast, which, by the way, is nominated for an Irish Podcast Award for Best Factual Podcast. And he's on the line now. Good morning, Collie. Good morning. How are you, lads? Not bad at all. And congratulations on the podcast nom. Yeah, a bit of a shock. I'm delighted with that one. That's really, uh, really pleasant surprise. Excellent. Well, look, no surprise to us. Uh, we we know that we always go to you when we have these questions. And we asked our listeners over the last few days to send us in any questions they had that they would like to put to you. So I'll go to them first, if that's cool with you. Yep. Okay, so the first one is from Elaine Van Coolen in Castle Gregory in County Kerry. And she says, I think this is a common lizard that I photographed in my garden last week. Can Collie expand a bit more, please? Because I was surprised as I didn't think we had lizards in Ireland. And she sent a picture of an absolutely gorgeous looking thing. Uh, There's no, I suppose, concept of size. It's hard to know how big or how small it is. But do we have these common lizards in Ireland? We do, we do. We have one species of lizard in Ireland. We're very lucky when it comes to herpafauna, which is the cold-blooded creatures. So we have one lizard, one toad, one frog and one newt. So it's pretty easy for <laughs> a person like me. Like if you're in Australia or something like that, you'd have about, you know what I mean, yeah. millions to understand. And Well, not literally millions, but a lot more than what we have over sure. here. But yeah, we have one common lizard uh, and that is that is the, the, the picture she sent in, all right, because um, they are widespread throughout the country, everything from our bogs to our hillsides and mountains. And they also love the coastal areas. So quite uh, widespread Hard to spot. Uh, yeah, so good camouflage. It, 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 yeah, yeah, very cryptic is what we call it because they they do a thing called mosaic basking, and that basically means that instead of sitting out in a rock like a big iguana, they'll kind of go in under a grass or under a bush and catch the rays of the sun coming through the vegetation. Oh, okay. That stops them getting picked off by kestrels and, and foxes and cats and, and gives them a chance to get away. So that's why they're quite hard to spot but they are widespread throughout the country and a, a really beautiful little creature. I call them the Irish dragons. I think they're lovely. And about uh, what size uh, are we special. talking, Collie? About the size of your index finger, if you put it that way. Okay. Um, the, the tails on the males get a lot longer than the females and the males are a lot slenderer. The females at this time of year are starting to get very rotund and starting to drop their 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 young. They're very interesting in the fact that unlike lizards on the continent that you'd see uh, when you go for your coffee in Italy when you're out yeah. or, or in Spain, you'll see them on the walls there. They're very similar to them, but those lizards on the continent will lay eggs. Our Irish vivisperus lizard, or common lizard, is called vivisperus because uh, that's Latin for live bearing. So what our Irish lizards do is they'll retain the eggs inside the mammy lizard and she'll bask in the sun and basically cook them herself. No she'll, way. she'll keep them warm, yeah. And she'll have live babies up to seven in a litter and they'll be ready to rock as soon as they come out, uh, out for her. So really interesting. Any, yeah, I didn't know any lizard did that. That's amazing. And should yeah. we feel sorry for the common lizard in the sense that, as you mentioned, Australia, like uh, the continent, like all of these other lizards are sitting there in 10,000 degrees and they're absolutely loving it. And there are millions of different colored ones, whatever. And we have the one type is going, I can possibly get a few sun rays in through the bush later on. <laughs> 
Well, look, come here. They're, we're on the edge of their range, uh, westerly range. Uh, they go right the way across uh, Eurasia and Europe into almost over to Japan. Okay. But they also go up into Siberia. So we're not the worst place. <laughs> no, no definitely not. We're, definitely we're not. We're fair to Midland. So uh, they're doing okay over here. Uh, they're, they're a really unique uh, um, reptile. And the fact that they've, they've adapted really, really well to these kind of uh, harsher conditions for lizards, for, for cold-blooded animals. Yeah. And they do a great job over here. Uh, Fiona and Mayo sent a picture again. It looks like the same thing, but she did say that this one was about nine centimetres in length. So that would have been one of the slender males, I presume you're talking about, with the long yeah, tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, and and the tails can get quite long. They actually have a great trick with their tra- tails that they can throw them. So if, uh, if your cat was the corner one or, or a bird of prey was the corner one, they'll actually physically throw their tail off and the tail will jump around while the lizard freezes, the tail has a, a, a nerve in it that bounces it around. So the predator goes, oh my God, there it is, and gets very excited by that. And then the lizard legs it off and because survives I, okay, for I, another I, day. That's amazing. I thought that that was, if it was kind of, if it was attacked by the tail, it would pull off. I didn't realise they could actually throw it themselves. They can, yeah, they can if they're really stressed. It, it's a, it's, it's a know, last resort. Exactly. And if they do it, towards the end of the summer it's still kind of a death sentence because if a lizard's tail in Ireland is basically it's refrigerator okay. it's storing up fat in there to survive the lean winter months because they'll dig down into uh, roots and, and under logs to survive the winter and live off those fat reserves so you know as a researcher into lizards we tend not to handle them around this time of year because they just might. in case they draw their tails yeah. okay. it, it might you know, uh, be bad news for the winter. Okay, here's an interesting one from Sinead. She says, lads, could you ask Collie something from me? My nine-year-old is really into spiders. She wants to get one as a pet. Is it worthwhile? Are they dangerous? What's the care like with them? I don't want to disappoint her, but I'm also worried about it being a bad experience for her and for the family too, says Sinead. And I know there's lots of people like our Maria who is now (laughs) running away and turning (laughs) off the radio because they just can't imagine the idea of having a spider as a pet. But what do you think? Is that an option for Sinead's daughter? Right, so she's a nine-year-old girl, and when I was a nine-year-old boy, I had pet spiders. Now, I wasn't allowed to have tarantulas at the time, <laughs> because um, even though I really wanted one, um, because my my mother would have been uh, parachuting out the, the, the top of the window. <laughs> right, <running>. okay. But, um, <laughs> so a, a compromise and a nice way of getting into spiders is our beautiful European giant house spiders we have living in our houses. Oh. And if you're to catch one of them running across the floor or if you're moving, if you're out your back garden or in your shed, you're going to see these mad kind of hammock-like webs and you'll see the spider in the corner, one of them. And if you can catch that and put it in a nice jam jar or or something larger than that with a, with a bit of wood, that's a brilliant brilliant starter pet for any kid who's into bugs or arachnids because they're quite happy to live there for the rest of their lives if you just drop in some wood lice into them. I was just about or, to say, or, yeah, you got to feed them obviously, so wood lice is an option. Them, yeah, and, 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 and a little spray of water but that's genuinely how I got started, that and tadpoles and, and stuff like that and it's a brilliant thing to get your kids interested in, in, in doing because it gets them out of the fear of the wild, it shows them how fascinating these creatures can be, it gives them a fascination with nature. So as a compromise, instead of going in and getting a, a, a seven-inch long tar- tarantula, <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, that will be a good option is to just get a, a nice house spider and set one of them up. And, and they live for a couple of years. I was and, just about and, to ask you, yeah, what's the lifespan of something like that? 
Well, if it's a female, she'll live a couple of years. If it's a male, they'll only live for a season. But still, they're, they're not in short supply. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. They don't so if a disaster happens, you can always replace one with the other. <laughs> um, and just, you mentioned tarantulas, or as when one day we interviewed the rubber bandits, uh, Blind Boy referred to him as a tarantula. Um, tarantula. Yeah. So... Uh, like in terms of keeping them, I mean, I, I know a couple of people. Um, in fact, I had a, a, a kind of an what do we call it? like a, a party at one stage for my twin daughters, and one of the things they really wanted uh, was a load of creepy crawlies. So one of the lads, I think it was the Concealy Pets Shop, came over, and they had tarantulas, and they let all the kids, you know, um, kind of interact as safely as possible with the tarantula yeah. and scorpions and all that. But in terms of keeping one yourself, I mean, they're obviously big and they're inverted commas scary. But what are they like to have as pets? So uh, tarantulas as pets are as varied, varied as dogs are. Gotcha. It's to break it down to that stage. So you'll have your chinchillas and you'll have your Doberman pincers. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You'll have, And that's the, the spectrum you have with tarantulas. Some of them are quite docile and they just kind of uh, tolerate people very well. Some of them are lunatics and are teleporters, as I call them. So when you open <laughs> just the disappear. jar, it's up over your shoulder and you know it's kind of <laughs> these terrifying kind of mad things from Southeast Asia um, uh, Sorry would that so, be would that be species specific in the same way that you for example you would you know you'd know a dog that was bred to be a guard dog or whatever versus a dog that's a lap dog but or, or is it animal specific in the sense that you can just get a crazy tarantula uh, You'll say species specific for general behaviours mm. but within those spectrums you can also get one that won't be you know, supposedly nice, but could just be a nut bar. Yeah. And we've all we've all seen that. You know what I mean? That that Jack Russell that thinks it's a, a rock wall. Kind of yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, and, and and that's the way it is with tarantulas as well. But generally, you know, a nice starter tarantula is like a Chilean rose or a Mexican red knee. They're very common. You see them in in, in pet shops. Beautiful display uh, animals. Tar- tarantulas are fantastic because most of the ones that you see common in the pet trade. Are borrowers, and so they'll they'll find a hole as a young spider. They'll dig it out as they get bigger, and they basically stay there in the wild for most of their life. So they're mm. very very happy. It's very ethical to keep them in 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 correct conditions uh, like that, especially. Gotcha. You want to get captive bred ones. You don't want them taken out of the wild. And there's loads of people breeding them, including myself. So, you know, it's it, they're a great pet, long lived, fascinating. But it's worth remembering if you have younger kids, they're not pets that you'll hug and squeeze no, no not like you would with a hamster or a rabbit or something like that which if you're in more into more interaction and kind of having a relationship with them uh, a mammal would be the way to go okay uh, spiders are very much kind of uh, do their own thing okay let's fly through as many as we can because we're running out of time somebody says yeah, i no so problem. want a job like collie yeah well i'm sure collie will tell you how you just got to go to work and got to become a zoologist <laughs> you know there is that uh, this is interesting john in dublin says we have a small pond in our back garden i've noticed some frogs in there i don't mind them being there but is there anything i should do to protect or mind them or do i leave them up to nature so if you have a pond in your garden with frogs, and that's brilliant for starters, fair play to you, and that's, that's a great result. Uh, leave them alone up until the winter. So when it gets into midwinter, when everything's kind of dead and you've not really much to do around the garden, what I would advise you to do is just to scoop any dead leaves and detritus, which is like wood or board poo or whatever it's fallen into the pond, to kind of scoop that out with a net and leave it beside the pond. Don't throw it in a bin or anything because that allows any creepy crawlies or bugs that are in that uh, pile of leaves to crawl back into the pond and recolonize it. Gotcha. And that prepares that for the spring. It's just, it's basically a winter haircut for the pond. It 
prepares it then for the spring, the frogs will lay their spawn and you won't get the stagnant water that you would if you let that uh, rotten material lay there. But okay. apart from that, frogs will look after themselves, so and, uh, fair play. And last one, uh, can you settle the debate with myself and my fella, says the text. Uh, Collie, are there actually cockroaches in Ireland? I've never seen one, but my fella is adamant they exist. What do they look like and are they manky? Well, we know native cockroach species, but we do have the introduced German cockroach, the Australian cockroach. Um, so it's stereotypical ones you'd see on movies and, yeah. and TV, the pet species. They're the ones that show up and they come in on goods and, uh, you know, I mean, v- various bits of fruit and, and, and whatnot. An interesting place we actually have a, a massive population of cockroaches, believe it or not, is the very posh Botanic Gardens in Dublin. Oh, right. Um, live in there in the leaf litter. They came in on the plant many, many years ago, but they live in the leaf litter. And you won't really see them unless you get there towards the end of the evening and they start sticking their heads out. Gotcha, but, uh, gotcha. Yeah, we do have cockroaches in Ireland, not out in the open and fairly unusual to get them in your house, but they are around. Okay. Uh, Collie Ennis, we could talk to you all day, but we have to call it there. Thank you so much. Best of luck in the podcast awards. Uh, Collie is a zoologist in Trinity and you can also find him on the Critter Shed podcast soon to be award winning Critter Shed podcast thanks Collie talk to you soon see you all the best Dermot and Dave weekdays from 9am today